I'm Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for Comscore with my podcast, Many Screens, Big Picture. And today I have a special guest. Joel Alexander Vandermolen is a multi-award winning English actor and filmmaker. Best known for telling his own life story in the documentary films Magnificence of You and Living My Illusion on Amazon Prime. His most recent work is as a TV comedy writer with a drama that he's produced called What the Fact, providing a very current look at the conversations happening in many households around the world in 2020. Joel, welcome to Many Screens Big Picture. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. I mean, I'm excited to hear what I have to say after hearing that. I am too. Great. (laughs) (laughs) So you grew up in uh, Southeast England. You attended local schools. I didn't know this. You were a young British tennis hopeful. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a British tennis hopeful. So it's not really the same as a Spanish tennis hopeful. <laughs> I, I played among some of the top tennis players in the in the country, but it, a good friend of mine was number one, and I used to play with him a lot. So therefore, I thought I was good, but he beat me every week. <laughs> well, they say it ups your game. If you play against a better player, it makes you better. But it was interesting. What about that was because I like playing it, but I used to get very upset if I didn't win. I smashed a lot of rackets. <laughs> you know, John McEnroe is nothing. Wow. You could out McEnroe McEnroe. I don't know. But, uh, you know, yeah. But what I did like, which was interesting, I liked being watched. When there was a crowd there or something, then I seemed to play better. It wasn't really the tennis. I think I just liked performing. I liked, but I liked acting. Is that why you then studied acting at the Weber Douglas Academy of Dramatic Art in London? Yeah, I mean, I think from the age of five, I wanted to be an actor. I remember sitting around, you know, playing with my farm or something. I was thinking, well, I want to be so many different things. What kind of job gets to be so many different things? I want to be an actor. Actors get to do everything. You know, my mum wanted me to be a doctor. So I thought, well, I'll go to drama school. Maybe I can get a part as a doctor. She can watch me on television. (laughs) Do you think that's what your mother had in mind, that you would play a doctor on TV, as they say? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, that was, yeah, a doctor really wasn't going to be my my thing. But no, I I just, that's always something I've held um, close to my heart, is uh, being able to communicate a story through, you know, the powerful mediums of television and and acting. It's just, uh, the whole thing for me is wonderful. Um, and that's what led me to, yeah, to go to drama school. And then after that, I became um, an out-of-work actor, a resting actor. I was very well rested. <laughs> well rested. Yeah. In fact, it took me another 20 years to go from leaving drama school nearly, yeah, about 18 years now, to where we are when, we, when I sort of got back into things of living my illusion. I, I sort of, life got in the way. And I was working in bars and restaurants, not getting spotted. I don't know if that happens in Los Angeles. And then I thought, well, okay, well, I have to do something different. I have to change course, which was really quite difficult for me because I was killing my my dream as it was. And I set up a telecommunications company. And that's Vandercom. Yes, that was Vandercom as a telecoms company. But I sold that in 2019 to focus on films. It started at that point with um, Living My Illusion, then moved on to Magnificence of You. Can we talk about those two projects in a little bit of detail here? I know that these are your life story. These are both available on Amazon Prime, The Magnificence of You and Living My Illusion. Talk about those two projects. Uh, 
how did this come to pass? Was And was this pre-pandemic that you created these documentary films or in the middle of all this? Well, this was pre-pandemic. It's funny because as soon as I had finished Magnificence of You, well, we finished filming in January for The Magnificence of You, and then the world changed. And as soon as we finished, I thought, oh, okay, well, this is out of date. <laughs> uh, because so much had changed. Everything I thought I was going to be about related to what's happened now. And so there grew what the fact. But going back, Living My Illusion started because I was working with this production company at the time, and they were helping me make telecoms videos. This is why I, I believe that you know, life will always push us in the direction of who we're here to become in some ways. And it will always, so even though I was doing, had a telecoms company, I was wanting to be creative and use that, that creativity that I had. And we were doing phone system installations. And I, and I thought, what's going to make this easier for the customer and for me? And um, so I, I set about making these videos on the phones that we were using and we would install these and people, you'd, ha you'd have to constantly tell them one by one by one how to work the phones. I was like, oh, this would be easy. It would be so much easier if I just gave them a video. So a video is worth a thousand words? Oh, more than that. It was worth, <laughs> um, it, it, it saved a lot of time and energy. Yeah. Yeah, because people would say, oh, how do you put like, you know, your numbers on the main screen? You just send them a 30 second clip. And it was like, wow, life changing in terms of levels of support with staff. And they got a better experience because you didn't have to send a trainer back. So this was kind of my idea where I was working with this production company. And then I went into like a network marketing MLM style of business. I thought that would be that's maybe that's the thing I need to do. That's the next thing I can do. Helps others. It grows the business. And so we started making a series of these type of videos. And then everything sort of changed for me. I um, started working with a life coach, the one you see in the film. And then, I, and then I wanted to do more creativity working and I was working, still talking with this production company. And I remember being in their office and they had done a documentary or they'd done something, a drama, I think they, they were doing. And I looked at them and I, and I thought, oh, OK, we can make a documentary about life coaching. Ah, interesting. And that turned in to being very focused on me. Which fits in with what, you know, you want that attention, right? You said that earlier. You could be at center stage and get your point of view out there, your world person. Correct. It was something that I wanted to share. I was really encouraged by personal development and uh, spiritual development. And um, life coaching is uh, a part of that. And that's what this journey that I was had by, uh, by working on one-to-one, -one, as well as, you know, because people can, um, you know, read the books, attend the talks, which I was doing. But one-to-one -one is a very different, very unique experience. So we brought cameras in and started recording this. And you saw where, you know, where that goes, that that can go very deep. But what it gave me was the confidence. And I get the feeling too, Joel, that you are 100% open to letting people into your life. In other words, you are very honest. You're comedic as well, by the way, because it makes your work so relatable because interspersed with your life story and whatever you're going through, there are these moments of comedy that everyone can relate to. And I, I really, people need to check out The Magnificence of You and Living My Illusion on Amazon Prime because these are really interesting. And I love how you adapted. You went from doing telecom videos to explain things to people, or, uh, you know, procedures and the like. And then you 
shift gears. And I think obviously, cause your dramatic arts background, you found a way to, to bring your story to people. Um, it was very interesting because I, I grew the confidence in myself to be able to say things that I wasn't even admitting to myself. That took maybe one session with the with the life coach, Tony, where I, he said, you can tell me anything. And I was like, anything? I can speak about absolutely anything? I was talking about things that I hadn't even admit on camera that I hadn't even really admit was able to have a conversation with myself about. And that's on camera for the world to see. Yeah. How does that feel? Do you feel like, I mean, when you're that out there and vulnerable, which is what the whole point of this is, you have to then deal with whatever comes your way in terms of uh, people's comments about your life. You're kind of like, you're no longer a private person living a private life if you do a documentary on yourself. Is that cathartic? Is that good? Or I would imagine there's upside and downside to all of that. Talk about that a little bit. Once you put yourself out there like that in a public forum, what does that do to your personal life, your image of yourself, and, and how does that inform your future creative works? It's very interesting because some people think you're a hero and others think you're a total twat. <laughs> and you get the both. I literally would get some really like nasty comments. And you, I'm sure you were prepared for that, right? Everyone gets that stuff. You no, know, if you, once you put yourself out there. It just was extreme. It was literally one or the other. People were, you know, there were certain things that people, maybe they saw themselves in it and that can be a reflection and that can anger people because they're seeing something that they don't like about themselves or they haven't addressed within their own person. So it can go quite deep. And the other side of it is that it um, truly awakens people to things that they're not addressing in their own life. You know, that can be a relationship issue in many different things, relationships we have with ourselves, with the world around us and people in our lives. So it was very uh, interesting. I did put myself out there. And don't you think, too, that if people were completely indifferent, that's probably the worst review, right? So if you have people who, are, who love it and hate it, Maybe as an artist, that's the best outcome for you. You know, they say the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. Like, if nobody cared, then you're not striking a chord with anyone. It's, that's, that's very interesting. And I saw a, a quote recently by Margaret Thatcher. She said, if you set out to be liked, or she didn't set out to be liked, she set out to make a change. And understandably, you know, that, that's going to come with a lot of people disliking. And she said something like, don't, be, don't set out to be liked. And the difference, though, here, I think, is when you make a documentary film and you're the filmmaker, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that there's a curtain that you can kind of not hide behind. But when you do a, a narrative film, a fiction work, you could say, that's not me. That's something, you know, I'm creating these characters and this illusion. It's movie making and that's not me. And you can sort of be behind that curtain. But when you do something that you're on camera, you're behind the camera, you're writing it, it's you. And of course, anytime you're in front of a camera, things change. People act differently on camera. And it's not necessarily the real you, but it's you're putting it out there that this is Joel, not some character, right? And even if you rename the character, there's so much of you, I think, infused in that. That's got to be very liberating and in some ways confining 
too, I would think, as an artist. I mean, uh, yeah, Magnificence of You, I poured my heart and soul into into doing that one because that was really where one that I wrote and I was, you know, the, 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 the narrator. It was relaying an experience that many people have had. Again, it was based on relationships. And it was, you know, looking at my at my life, pointing the camera at me. But it's also other people in your life. So uh, do you consult with people in your life to say, I'm going to talk about you? How does that work? Because, you know, you don't live life in a vacuum, right? So you you have people who are either portrayed directly or indirectly in your work. How do you uh, reconcile that? How do you kind of deal with that? Because those would seem to be very tricky waters to to navigate. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. But no one was mentioned. If you look at Magnificent <laughs> there's never anyone else's name mentioned. People who have seen other work of mine, you know, or know me, they know who they know. They know what's going on. But the important thing was the message, the underlining message. Am I getting that across? And it, well, it did. I had a you know deep respect for. Uh, the people that that was talking about in um, in in magnificence of you and uh, yeah I had fun making it 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 you know we collected a lot a lot of footage and I really didn't know what I was going to do with it until it got to editing I really didn't talk about that a little bit that process in other words for something like this I would imagine that it's pretty much unscripted if entirely unscripted and that you really create the story once you look at all the footage. And I'm sure you had, I don't know if you had hundreds, thousands of hours, you know, in the digital realm, you could shoot <laughs> millions of miles of footage, but then you have to go in the editing room. Talk about that editing process. How is that? How do you self-edit in a way? Or do you have others working with you on the, on the editing side or, or people whose counsel you respect and may take a look at what you're working on? The first four minutes of Magnificence of You was about, oh, that one thing was probably 30 minutes, but it took about five goes at that in different countries, funnily enough, in Cyprus and then Bucharest, which is great. I got to travel around, but trying to get that scene right, that was quite a tricky one. But it was a very clever scene as well because it throws people right into the action from the word go. And then I have to explain what happened. So are you thinking in terms of the final product while you're shooting and then editing, you sometimes discover some magic that you didn't realize or are you super structured or is it more like, let's shoot this, let's get the real raw footage and then let's go into the editing room and create something? It, it happened exactly like that. Yeah, it really did. It was let's shoot and see what happens. There was obviously ideas, but that's documentary as well. In documentary, the story does come together in the editing. You don't know what directions it's going to lead you when you're filming, but the story came out and all the writing that I did was done in post-production. The monologues that you heard and then edited together with the footage that we had and put to music to deliver the message. And the final thing at the end is where people get it and go, wow, because it explains everything. And then they say, maybe he's not such a twat after all. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, I think this is a perfect segue into what also you do with Vandercom Films, your company. Again, Joel, you're a multi-hyphenate, as they say. You could do really anything. I, I find that the way you, you really look at everything is part of your creative process. And you were talking about documenting your life and your point of view. But with Vandercom Films, I know you do a service where you document people's memoirs. 
So there's there's different ways to document. You could document your own life, but let's talk about that a little bit. That seems like a, I think something especially right now that people be most interested in. And when you're talking about people's memoirs, is this generally where people have parents or older relatives, or is it for anyone? Because you could be 30 and have memoirs, right? But you could be 80 and have some really cool memoirs. Talk about that a little bit, and what's this project called, and and how does this work, and where did the idea come from? Well, I always think we should use our own products that we, you know, uh, the, the phone systems that I used to sell, I would use them, of course. But I became the product of the documentaries. And I came up with this idea in uh, lockdown, you know, um, I would remember when I was younger, looking at old photo albums, sitting around the living room with my brothers and sisters and my parents and being told these stories of the good old days, looking at black and white pictures and sepia pictures of people who look like me and, you know, and then, then that's your great, great grandfather. And this is the house they used to live in. And you would see your dad as a little boy and your mum going to school. But then what happens when those storytellers are no longer around to tell those stories. Yeah, sure, we've got the photo albums, but if my daughter comes to me and says, well, who's that? I, I don't know, I'll ask your grandfather. You know, so who's left to tell those stories? And that's why when I thought, well, wouldn't it be wonderful to capture the memoirs of people to translate into film, into a beautiful film that family can treasure forever, for generations? That's when I came up with that idea, you know, to document people's lives. On film, So in 40 minutes, 60 minutes, 80 minutes, um, I'm just doing one of the moment for my dad, which is 80 years in 80 minutes. That's the most beautiful gift to give to somebody at that age. At that age, people are going through, you know, they, they're, they're lonely. They're not attached to the, the world that is going on anymore. They're not, you know, so much invited to, so to, to join in. So it's a personal journey that you take them on. You know, it's a profound experience because you're giving someone the gift of listening. And it's a living document that then generations can put on the screen and, and watch. And it just proves how powerful the medium of film is because I know a lot of people, including myself, we have tons of pictures that are in a box of my you know, parents, my late parents and other relatives over the years. You have to dig those out and then kind of go through them manually <laughs> And I think it's so great to be able, and I think it's even more important for the younger generations, the descendants of people to be able to see those stories and maybe not even realize where they came from, maybe find similarities in their personality or their lives, similarities to their grandparents or great grandparents. So I love what you're doing there. I think, what is the project called? How can people find that? Oh, if they go to vandercom.com or search Vandercom Films, this is something, yeah, that they can, they can give as a gift. For the person who says, don't get me anything, you know, or the person who has everything. Well, this is the most exciting gift to give them because it's an experience. How do you go through the process? I mean, I would imagine if I came to you, I would back a truck up to your house figuratively or virtually <laughs> and say, here's 10,000 photos and some old eight millimeter uh, film of my parents and that kind of thing. That's got to be quite daunting. I would imagine it's a rather arduous but I'm sure interesting and fun process, but that just seems challenging. You obviously have a knack for this. It can be, you know, you think it may be time consuming, but the best time to start is when people, you know, it's not to go and get organized and come back. It's to do go through the process there and then. 
to go through those photo albums and record it and have the person talk about it. So people can talk about their life and go from when they're born. They, they can pretty much re recall everything you know, that they do. And photo albums always jog memories and old cine films and home movie footage, you know, from the 80s, 90s. I would say to my dad, for example, I say, why don't you write a book? Why don't you get down and, and write a book about all these kind of experiences you had in life? No, I, you know, I'm not going to do that. But for one day, he could sit there in front of, the, with the camera on and speak about all the events that happened. And there's many people, many of us don't know anything about our parents' lives before they became our parents. That's so true. I think people are shocked often how cool their parents were, how, you know, if they partied back in the day or, you know, their interests. And we always think of our parents from the day we were born when they're at least a, a, a certain age where you can't imagine them being younger or doing some really fun things. I don't know. We we put our parents on a pedestal generally, not always, but generally. And then to find out these very humanistic things perhaps you never knew about. People tell stories all the time and, and families where it's the first time you've ever heard it and you've known the person decades and you just hear about a new story now. Yes, and I was, you know, listening to what was happening in the 50s and 60s when my dad was going through that, that, those stages and they had fun. I mean, they had real fun. They had no security cameras following them everywhere they went. They had no speed limits. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> they had freedom. They lived through a time when there was a lot of significant changes going on in the world there, but they had this golden age, if you like, where things were very, very different. So I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I want to now talk about your latest project, What the Fact. I've watched these. This is really, I mean, I think this is born out of the pandemic situation, mainly that you've created this. Where can we find What the Fact? Tell us about the conspiracy theorist at the center of this and how this project came to fruition. This grew out of the pandemic. And as I said previously, the world changed and everything I had done up to date see, was, was outdated. And I was, you know, just doing a lot. In this 90-day period, I finished Magnificence of You. I created in, uh, the business Vandercom films, the, the documentary side of the business for individuals and for businesses. And then the other side of the business is creating my own work for television and the networks. So what the fact, yeah, just hit me like a bolt of lightning about this guy who is obsessed that this is a conspiracy, that everything that is being told through the media is 99.98% untrue, and that there is a secret society and a network behind the scenes that have an evil ag agenda. And he's trying to communicate this to... One, his wife, who is the complete opposite, who is being led and by the by the mainstream media, following the government guidelines rigorously, wearing a space suit, cleaning the house frantically, and she thinks the cat's got coronavirus. <laughs> I was working um, with Layla Banky, who you see in in What the Fact. And yeah, we started coming up with all these different kind of scenarios and things. And I just, I wrote it very, very, very quickly because I had so much. It came to me so quickly. Now I think, you know, I wrote it all in in June, uh, six episodes. They're really funny too. I mean, they, they're, <laughs> and you're a family man in this and, and you're the one kind of, you're the outlier in the family and you have a, a small daughter in, in the piece. And they're just kind of looking at you like you're, 
you're kind of out of your mind, the wife and the child. And it's just so great because I think a lot of people, you're kind of showing both sides. So whatever your personal view is, you're represented somehow uh, when you watch uh, what the fact. I think it's it's really interesting, yet another example of creative work being uh, born out of this very unfortunate and tragic pandemic. But I think it also creates something that people can definitely relate to super timely. And I think will be a time capsule for people to look at this when we look back on this 2020 situation with the pandemic. So that creative work that is flowing out of that is very interesting. I think it's a reflection of the conversations in many households over the world in 2020, where they're having conversations with, is this real? What's really going on? And other people who are quite anxious about it and won't leave the house. That was the idea to balance both sides, but at the same time with the message of people to acknowledge each side. I think that's really smart. I think that's really good because we tend to get locked into our own points of view and particularly with family members and, and close friends. So I, I love what the fact, because it really is super relatable. I think you're relatable on so many levels. We're going to wrap up here. I just, you know, Joel Vandermolen, I want you to tell us where, our listeners can find you. I know you mentioned Vandercom.com, but where can we find you on YouTube and on the social media platforms? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, the website Vandercom.com, that will link you to all the social media. But on uh, What the Fact is available on YouTube. The, you've got episode one. Where I'm hoping to do episode two next month. On Amazon Prime is Magnificence of You and uh, Living My Illusion. But uh, yeah, really the website, I'm available on all social media platforms. But if you're interested in Vandercom Films and making your own film, because another thing about Vandercom Films is it's not just about personal documentaries. We also do business documentaries telling the story of a business for those people who have something unique that they want to share with the world. That's a great outlet for people because not all of us can do that, but we have stories to tell and you can be the the shepherd, <laughs> if you will. To- well, it is people having that system in place to be able to um, give people that platform to speak in a structured way. Because how many people do we speak to? And they may have an inspirational message or a great story about something that happened to them that couldn't be written. But when you see them in five years' time, they're still saying, yeah, I'll get to it one day. You are able to facilitate that. I think that's fantastic. Well, Joel, it was so great talking to you today. I'm really fascinated by your life story, the way you've adapted to the pandemic with your work and your movies on Amazon that are so interesting. I just appreciate your creativity and also your honesty in your storytelling. So thank you for being on Many Screens Big Picture today. Joel Vandermolen, check him out, man. He's totally cool. Great stuff going on there. Find him on social media platforms and at his website, vandercom.com. Thanks so much for being here, Joel. Thank you so much. It really has been wonderful. Thank you, Paul. 